0: if they are, how does healing come? We're going to talk about that and a lot more that's related to that. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 210 with Kevin Moore.
1: Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you. This week, we're going to be talking about What Happens When a Pastor is Hurt and Struggling to Minister? I also have a podcast recommendation for you, and we're going to talk about what happened in a recent small group meeting and how that reminded me about why I'm doing this, about what Engaging Missions is all about. Today's topic is incredibly important, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past with Keith Smith. Today, Kevin Moore will be joining us. He's a pastor in Nevada who's walked through some difficult times, and now God is using him to bring healing to some of those through the, some of those experiences. Unlike some who've been wounded, he's still in a place of ministry, and God is bringing what he calls wounded shepherds to him and he's recently launched a podcast, The Wounded Shepherd, which you can find at thewoundedshepherd.com. I'd recommend that you check it out. It's a good podcast and it'd be good to at least stop by and see if it's something that you might want to add to your subscription list. I think, like I said, this is an incredibly important topic for those who are in vocational ministry as well as those who aren't vocational ministers, but who are ministering through their lives and relationships. You're going to love this. It's really going to be good. With that, we're going to spend our time with Kevin Moore today. Well, Kevin, I just want to say I'm really, really glad to hear from you. I'm really glad to connect with you. It was great to to get to know a little bit about you as I was checking out your blog. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be here, too. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here. And I'm excited not just because, you know, we've connected and we're having this chance to talk, but I think that what you have to bring for us is something that's sorely needed in the body of Christ. But before we dig into, you know, what it is that's specific about what you do, I'm I'm wondering, could you maybe share with us a little bit about your story and how God's been working in your life? Sure. I am a
1: pastor of a church in Reno, Nevada. Been here for about 12 years and this is the first church I've ever pastored. It's a second career for me. And I, I expected that things were going to be great and that all things were going to be wonderful. And they were for quite a long time. And I uh, came here, spent about seven or eight years, and then went through some real struggles and some difficult times and uh, found out that, that ministry can be painful at times and have spent the last few years trying to recover from that and trying to make some sense of that. And found out in that process that there's a lot of people that are in the same condition that that I was in. In the course of the last few years, I've had several pastors make their way through my church that have some degree or another of of woundedness. And I thought, you know, something's got to be done to to help this. And so God's really laid this on me to start figuring out a way to communicate that those things are real and they happen and they don't just happen to you, but they happen to other people as well and try to figure out a way to, to bring some healing and to bring some, some sense back to that. I have a family, I have, have a wife and four kids, and I'm not the only one that went through that struggle. It was also included my family and, and all of them. And so there's just a, there's a lot of things that are, are, Built up there, that I feel like God is really moving in me, with with a level of experience to be able to speak to and address and and maybe bring some some healing and hope to that.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate your heart in that. And you know, when I when I was listening to your podcast, the Wounded Shepherd, you, the first thing that you did was you shared a little bit about your story and how you walked through a season of a lot of pain and. Well, you know, I certainly hate that you had to go through that, I'm, I'm really encouraged that God has now given you a heart to minister to some other people who are going through the same kind of thing. And I'm wondering, you know, based on your experience, do you have any, any perspective on how prevalent it is for people in ministry to be hurt in the ways that you were, or maybe in some, in some different kinds of ways that really impact their ministry? Well, I think, first of all,
1: I don't, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I realize that there's a devil that's alive and well. Yeah. And seeks to to kill, steal, and destroy. And I I sincerely believe that any time a ministry is effective and it's making changes. I said I, I'm in Reno, Nevada, and there's a lot of rough stuff that goes on here in this community. And we were we were very effective. The church was growing and doing some amazing things. We were we were reaching beyond walls that we could ever imagine. And and like I said, very effective, doing some amazing things. And the devil showed up there. I, I think churches that are being effective, pastors that are being effective, or families that are being effective, I, I think the devil's going to come. And so what a better way to to squelch that or to shut that down than to take the leader out. And so I I believe that it's very prevalent. I think that there's probably... A large number of pastors that have been wounded, very much like me, I, I remember going into ministry and and talking with pastors and realized there 's always this weird gap between pastors and their congregation. None mm. of them really wanted to admit it yeah but i I always felt that that there was a, a kind of a separation or a gap there between us and I always thought I'm never going to let that happen. I'm I'm never going to be that guy. I always want to make sure that everybody is close to me and everyone knows I'm just one of them called out to do a a different job. And I believe that that gap is is evidence to me that there's a lot of guys that have dealt with the same situation that I did because that's what it does is it begins to put a gap or an insulation between you and people. Mm. And that's certainly what it did for me.
0: Wow. Yeah. So when when that gap came, I I know that there was a season that you guys walked with, there was where where there was a gap, where there was some difficulty. How did God bring you out of that and into the the season that you're in now? Well,
1: I have a a fantastic wife and what was (laughs) happening to me is I would, first of all, I'm very authentic. I, I try really hard to be very transparent. I preach that way. I teach that way. All I really have is my own experience and I, I, or my perspective. That's really all I have to go on. And so I was very willing to share that. And so what happened was I just, I, and I tend to be kind of naive. And so I was just going through my daily living and doing my preaching, doing my teaching, never knowing that anything was strange. And, you know, once in a while I'd walk into the room and conversations would stop or, or people would respond differently to me than what I thought was normal. And I, I just let it go, didn't think much about it. And then when, when I realized that there was a problem, when I found out that, that there was really something going on, I crashed and mm. um, I still had a job to do. I really And I, I took that very seriously. And so I would come to the church, I'd pull myself together, come to church, preach my message, teach my class, do whatever I had to do. And and then, you know, get back to the car and and fall apart and go home and sit in my dark bedroom until the next Sunday when it was time to do it all over again. Wow. And finally, my wife came and said, no, this isn't how this is going to work. Mm. You're, we can't do this. Your family needs you. Your church needs you. And she was very helpful. I, I did that for almost two years. And wow. she was she was very, very helpful and got me connected with a guy that is a Christian counselor, and he and I spent a lot of time together and really started talking about what what is a pastor? What is a call to ministry? And he was instrumental in helping me get some real perspective and, and helping me put things back together. I, I also was fortunate. I had a church board that was very much behind me, very, very much stood behind me when I resigned and said, I'm not doing this anymore. They they stepped in and and made some real deep commitments to me and to the family and to to the church and and kept me kept me in ministry. So it was a combination of things. It was a wife that said no more. It was a psychologist friend of mine who said, hey, "Let me help you get some perspective." And then it was really a, a church that rallied behind me and said, "I'll we'll will run cover for you and get this back
0: together." Man, I I, I love that. As you're sharing that, what I'm seeing is what what paul writes about when he says that the body ministers to itself that you know one member hurts and all the members hurt and i'm seeing the reality of that in the story that you shared now are are you still at the same church that you resigned from
1: i am i i actually oh. resigned what what happened is i walked into actually i didn't my wife walked into a class of of people in the church that they didn't know she was there she was actually standing in the hallway and and she overheard them talking, yeah. and just just completely dragging my name through the mud and hers, and and yeah. talking about all the things that we weren't and should be, and and it was it was quite a quite an emotional day, and that was on a Sunday, and so I contacted my my superior, my district superintendent, and I said I I'm, I can't do this anymore, and so. I resigned on a on a Sunday afternoon hmm. and he contacted me on Tuesday and said, Hey, I'm gonna get the board together and we'll be there. Let's let's meet on Tuesday. And so they all got together and at that point they didn't know that I had resigned and so it was kind of a shock to them. And so it was pretty intense two or three hour meeting. Yeah. Really getting to understand it. And and you know they, they did. They just came around and not just they recognized that it wasn't just me; that it was my my wife and family, mm. and yeah, they they very much exemplified that passage that you mentioned of the church, and and continue to we're we're probably five years now down that path, mm. four or five years, and they still continue to to check in on us and to make sure that things are right. So wow. it's very very biblical.
0: I, I love that. I mean, I again, I hate that you went through that. That's a horrible experience, but. I love seeing how God ministered to you and to your family. Uh, you mentioned how he used an, a number of people. I'm also wondering, were there any key scriptures or stories from the Bible that you clung to during that difficult time?
1: You know, it's, it's funny because you would think that while that was happening, that I would have felt completely and totally alone. Yeah, And in a lot of ways, I really did. I, I mean, I didn't trust these people who who really were leading the charge in in the things that were going on, these are people who who one Sunday would tell me that they love me like their own and and that, that you know they were they were so glad that we were here and they would they would love you like crazy and yeah I'm pretty simple you tell me that you love me I assume that means you do and and so I don't really question that and and so it really when when it all came apart I began to question everything mm. I began to question just. Am I just a bad person? Am I, am I, do I not understand people at all? And so you would think that I felt very alone. And from people perspective, I did. But I, I never, ever sensed that, that God had, had left. Hmm. I knew that he was there. And, and the verses that, that I kept playing over and over in my head were, you know, be still and know that I am God. And, and recognizing that he was doing something. Now, up until this point, I had been fervently praying for this church. When I came here, it was much like most churches in America. It was either stagnant or in decline. And and I was praying, God, help us to move forward. Whatever it is that is hindering us from, from being the church that you want us to be and that this community needs us to be, help us to to get rid of those things. Mm. If it's tradition that's old, please let us get rid of that, If whatever it is. I had no idea that it was people. I had no idea that it was going to turn out to be a very large percentage of, of a congregation. And so really it was the scriptures that spoke to me about trusting him, recognizing that he was in control and that he, he had the authority, all authority was given to him. Mm-hmm. It was this constant reassurance that, that this was, we were going to get through this and that, that he was going to do something amazing through it and faithful
0: very faithful. Yeah, no no kidding. So when, when I first discovered you and looked at your podcast and thought, wow, I think this person, you know, this guy, this Kevin, I've never met him before, but I think he'd be a great guest. Part of what was in the back of my mind is I know that many times church planters and missionaries have somewhat similar experiences where they can feel alone or feel like sometimes everything's against them. Even the Apostle Paul writes about one time when he was in Asia and he felt like, everything was against him to the point that he thought maybe there was no hope. What would you share with somebody the first time you meet him? If, if you realize that this is a minister who's deeply hurt and who, who maybe needs to hear a word from the Lord about moving forward.
1: Well, one of the things that I, I, I would speak about. And one of the things I needed to hear was remember, remember that call, mm. you know, you, you mentioned the apostle Paul and, and he realized all through his ministry that it really wasn't, about, really wasn't about the people or about any of that stuff. It was about being obedient to God and, and recognizing that God had a plan and a purpose for him. And out of that, he then felt a real call to the people and was able to minister to them. But, but his, his focus was not on himself and his focus was not on the people. His focus was on God himself and realizing that he needed to be faithful to him and to that. And so one of the things that really was helpful to me is going back and remembering that call, remembering, knowing that God had called me to a very specific place in ministry, a very specific vocation. It's no different than if I was called to be a missionary or mm. or anything. There's, there's that specific call. And, and I had to go back and revisit that and remember what that was all about, how I knew that God had done that, and how I was affirmed that that God chose me for that job. And and I had to keep touching that, realizing that this is really about God and about what he's capable of doing and what he's going to do through me. It isn't about the, the hurt that I'm feeling, or it isn't about the rejection that I'm dealing with. It's not even about the people. It's, it's about God and his plan in me. And so there became this, this real sense, and, and I encourage anybody that was in the position I've been in or is currently going through it, I encourage them to get back in touch with with that moment when when they said yes to whatever it was that God was calling them to do and remember remember that that covenant that partnership that he made with them at that particular moment because when it's all said and done that's really all that matters mm. there is is that I'm in I'm connected with what God has called me to do and so you know, trying to focus on all the other stuff, trying to make sense of it. I finally got to the point where I stopped trying to make sense Hmm. of it, where I stopped trying to say, why did this happen? What did I do wrong? What could I have done different or better? I stopped, I stopped doing all that and just really, and I would encourage others because that'll drive you crazy. (laughs) I, I encourage others, I encourage others, just get reconnected with that call. Realize who you answer to. You don't answer to anybody but him. And, and realizing that out of that answering to him, we will be effective to them, but only in that order. And and that's the that's the direction that really got me through the dark, was, was reconnecting with the one who called.
0: Wow. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned the call. You know, from my own life, every once in a while, you know, mentally, I maybe get a little bit too big for my britches, if you will. And I think, well, you know, maybe I could go on and do something, whatever that thing is. And I, every time I start thinking that way about what I could do, or maybe what, Goal I have this time I, I go back to that call and I go, well, but god didn 't call me to that, and I think yeah. that at least in my life that 's probably kept me <laughs> safe from myself a number of times now as as we shift our focus though a little bit more toward what you have going on I know that you 're a pastor full time and then you 're also ministering to other pastors or other ministry leaders who have been wounded and you're you 're helping them work through this the the first thing i 'm wondering is how do you balance all of that? How do you keep everything going and not neglect the most important things in your life?
1: Well, it's tough. Actually, I'm a full-time pastor, I'm a full-time school teacher, and I'm doing that Whoa, as well. And wow. I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I'm getting to the place where I'm realizing that there that there is no margin in my life. And so the thing about it is I realize that that which i 'm called to do is what makes me most alive mm. and and the energy the energy that I have and the ability to continue to move on is is fueled by this this passion I, I, I am passionate about pastors that are in the condition that I was and, and in large part still am in these these guys and, and gals that have come to my church here and are in that condition, that wounded condition. They're miserable people they 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 try real hard to smile and nod, and they try real hard to get involved as lay pastors or lay people mm. in the church they they really do, but when they're living outside of that cult and it's been removed from them through really no fault of their own yeah the 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 wound of that the 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 misery that they feel is is real, and a lot of times they don't even admit it, and you start trying to pull back the cover of that. And, and you begin to see it, and nothing invigorates me more than watching people be transformed, watching God work through what we think is the end, we think is is our demise, and He comes and He makes that real. He He re, He gives us life. Someone He said He said, "I've come to give life and life abundant." And I believe that that what happens when when we are when we are doing what we were called to do, what we were created to do. That's when we're the most alive. And so, yeah, the school teaching thing drags me down, but, but, uh, you know, the, then you, then you run into some guy that, that just doesn't know which way to go or which way to turn. And you're able to identify a little bit with, with some of the the things that he's going through and, and then provide some direction and some help. And man, you're ready to do it all over again.
0: Yeah, man, I, I just so many directions. I, I want to take this. I mean, there's, there's so much meat in what you just shared. And, you know, I guess maybe the first thing that I'm thinking about is, so let's say that you meet somebody in your church body or perhaps out in the community, somebody who is in that situation, they're hurting. Is there a general framework or some some process, mental model that you work through to go, okay, I can help this person assess where they are and then start working with them to begin moving them toward healing?
1: You know, one of the first things that happened to me was I I lost all trust in people, mm. Because it doesn 't take many people to say, "Hey, I love you like my own," and then stab you in the back you know that before you before you really just don 't know who's who yeah. and so the very first thing that I want to do is is I try to let people know that i understand i 'm one of them I, I have been in their position, and I understand their 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 feelings and what they 've been hurting and with, and so on the The other thing is that if you are a, a general church person and you feel wounded or offended or somehow the pastor's done something that you don't appreciate or don't like, you are free to communicate that to anybody and everybody who will listen. Right. And, and, and they, they have no problem doing that and they will share with everyone. A responsible pastor doesn't have that, that luxury. I can't stand up at the pulpit on Sunday and say, Hey, so-and-so is mad at me because of this. And it isn't true. I didn't really do that. That isn't how that happened. I don't have that, that ability or that luxury. You can't, it's not responsible for me to live that transparent with everybody in the, in the group. And so you're really, you're left to deal with this on your own, to go through this process on completely on your own. And so what I want to do first is I want to, I want the person I'm talking to, to realize that they're talking to a brother. They're, they're talking to somebody who, who is, is experienced, you know, in the, in the military, if, if you don't wear the uniform, you're not respected mm. by the military people in, in a sense. And so I need them to know I wear the uniform. I, I, I I'm, am i am with them. I've been there where they are. The second thing is, is I need to give them a voice. I, I need to give them a place where they can be angry and they can they can say what they want to say about the people that they care deeply about, but but would be devastated if it ever got out to the rest of the world. And so I, I really want to provide that that security that that I know what they're dealing with, and I want to provide them that place where they they can they can really open up and express the the hurt that they feel and the injustice that they'll never get rectified, but the injustice that they feel. I got to a place where I was afraid to go to the grocery store. I would, where I had used, where I used to be very interested in being actively involved in my community. I got to the place where I'd drive through the parking lot and look for cars that were familiar to me. Mm. It drove my wife crazy because I mean, I'd I'd drive through the whole parking lot. And then I would go through there almost with my head held low because I was afraid somebody was going to see me or somebody that they knew and had talked to was going to see me. And it was horrible. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to let these people know that they have a friend that they have somebody that understands what they've dealt with and and is not is not standing in any kind of judgment or or anything mm. and just let them tell tell their story because nobody else you don't have that you don't have that opportunity anywhere else i had a district superintendent who tried really hard to to be involved in that but he wasn't he wasn't here he wasn't in my community he didn't deal with my situation day in and day out mm. And so he was really no help at all. I, I don't mean any disrespect by that, but he was really, unfortunately, unable to be any help at all. And so just, again, try to be that guy that, that somebody can talk to, somebody can be free, knowing that it's never going to get back. Because some of the things we feel about some of the people, we don't really feel that way, but we need to say that in yeah. the moment because that's how we think we feel. And you need somebody that will understand and interpret that for you.
0: So when, when somebody has this experience, when they're able to actually open up and share their heart. And in my mind, almost like the psalmist talking to God and laying his heart bare and going, you know what, this really stinks, and then beginning to turn that corner and go, but wait a minute, I trust God. How, how does being able to work through that impact the lives of the people that you're ministering to?
1: Well, I think it helps a lot. It, it gives them that, that light that there is, that there's some hope one of the things, the conclusions that I came to is that, you know, maybe God called the wrong guy that, that I I just don't have a really good way of dealing with people. And maybe, maybe I am all those things that, that people said and thought that I was. Mm. And so when you get to that place where somebody is willing to say, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't, I believe that God's called you. I can see the, the, the gifts and the graces that you exhibit, I believe that it's really real and and start slowly getting them back. One of the things I do here at the church is I tell them, you're welcome to come in and all I'm going to let you do is just sit there. All you can do is sit in that chair. Now, nothing drives a pastor more crazy than just sitting in the chair. But I, I let them know that I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do a single thing, but you're welcome to ask me if you want to do anything. So you drive that. You decide when you're ready to get back in and and start doing some stuff. One of the struggles that that we have as ministers is, is much like my condition, is I was a full-time pastor. That's all I did Mm -hmm. was pastor a church. I didn't intend to be an educator. I didn't intend to go back to school and get a degree in education and teach at the local school. I'll be real honest with you. I was running from ministry, and I didn't have anything to fall back on. I didn't have anything... I didn't have another job. I didn't have another career. I was a a computer guy before this, and if you're out of the computer world for six years, you're you're out. Yeah. It's, it's all done. And so I was I was running and I was going back and getting this degree in education, and I, I I I cloaked it well, told everybody it was ministry and all that, but it wasn't. It was me getting a different job so that I could be done with this. And so one of the things that that. I deal with with some of these pastors is that they've made their livelihood being pastors and now they can't. Hmm. And so there's this frustration for them of how am I going to take care of things? You know, they go from being pastors to being copy repairmen and nothing wrong with being a copy repairman, but that's not what God called them to be. Right. And so what I what I try to do is is get them back into some form of ministry. Let them see that that not every situation is going to be like that. Though you may experience that again, you you need to learn how to deal with that and how to deal with the the, the disappointments that come with ministry. But you still got to get back in the game, and and so I I want I, I try hard to get them back into ministry of some form, and then ultimately I, I don't know how it is in a lot of denominations, but but in ours you can pretty much decide when you're ready to put your name back out there and and re-enter the the church world. Hmm. And so what my my goal is is to get them to a place. Not where they expect that this is a one-time thing. This is only going to happen to me once. I've come to realize that this is just part of the, the devil's plan. And there's, there's a strong chance that I'll go through it again. Hmm. And next time, I will know how to deal with it differently than I did the first time. And so try to give them the skills. Try to give them the hope. And then give them an opportunity to, to step back into ministry.
0: As a person who's involved in a local church, one of the things that I'm wondering, you know, I, I hate that a pastor has to go through this kind of thing. And I understand that a lot of times that hurt ends up coming at the hands of, of the body they minister to. And I'm wondering, as a as a church leader or as a board member or as just a congregant, I don't mean just in a bad way, but as a, as a congregant, is there a way that we can surround and begin to protect our pastor and uphold the leaders that are around us to help protect against this kind of thing?
1: Well, I'll tell you the 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 best the best way to deal with that is to make sure that your pastor is spending a lot of time in their personal spiritual development. Mm. Because because the reality is the people who hurt me the worst were probably the ones that in the beginning were trying to be the most help. Mm. And and so they they were those those people who would come to me and say, Man, if you ever need anything, you ever just need to need to talk, you ever you know, though, you can come to me and you can talk to me. And and again, my being green and and naive, I believed them, and <laughs> and in a lot of respects, I, I did that. And and I'll be real honest, I I think God used those events to to teach me a few things, and one of them is is that I I'm called to a job here, and I have to keep that that line very clear between pastor and and parishioner that doesn't mean i have to make a gap but i i have to be careful not to cross any of those lines and so that means that i need to get my my sustenance i need to get my my motivation from god and from being spiritually mature and filled and and you know healthy in that respect and making sure that I'm taking care of that. One of the things that my my church board now has the permission to ask me that they didn't they didn't really do it before is they ask me those tough questions. Mm. How are you doing in in this place? How are you doing with your family? How are you doing with your finances? They they really have that authority to just to just dig deep into those questions and making sure that I'm all right. And, and, and what I want them to do is if they think I'm not all right, I want them to deal with that before I'm not all right, Mm. because at that point it's, it's gone too far. And so we have a time in our, in our board, our board agenda where that's what they do is they just, they just ask me those questions and, and I'm honest with them. I'm very, very frank and very open and honest I don't think I would want to do that with just anybody in the, in the church, especially after that situation. But, but you know what, we, we, we need those people that are close to us, that we can trust, that will, will take the good and the bad and, and really press us to, to be the best that we can be. Realizing that, that God is the only one that really, really can fill us to where we need to be, to be that church leader. And that, that's not just a pastor. Hmm. That That is a, a missionary. That is anybody who is on that front line in any kind of ministry. They, they have to have somebody that will, will ask them tough questions. One of the things that the psychologist friend of mine did was he, he asked me, what, what are my hobbies? And I said, what do you mean hobbies? Who's got time for that? And so he said, that's part of your problem. Everything you do is for that church. It's for the identity is so wrapped up in that that when something goes wrong, it doesn't just affect you from a from a career perspective, but it, it affects you from an identity perspective. So you need to find something else. And so developed a hobby. The other thing I did is I found a friend, a guy that is that is about my age here in the community. And the first thing I made him promise me is that he'll never be a part of my church. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was okay with that. He's perfectly comfortable in the church that he's in. But we just needed that separation, that I need a relationship with people who are outside of, of my, my immediate circle of, of responsibility. And so as somebody in the, in the body of Christ, what I would suggest you do is, is maybe find that pastor across town that, that you have no intentions of ever going to their church and, and maybe just reach out to them and, and be a part of their life in that respect. And, and again, as, as part of the body of, of, of Christ, Making sure that the, the pastor's doing what the Bible calls us to do and take care of ourselves spiritually and and keep us healthy.
0: Wow, that that's incredible. And you, you actually answered the next question I was gonna ask. I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you had anybody in your life that you were able to, you know, outside of your church that you were able to to receive from and to use. And it sounds like you have that relationship. And man, that that is so encouraging to hear. I, I remember my, my sister-in-law is a, is a priest at an Episcopal church, and when she became a priest, one of the things her dad told her was, you won't have any true friends in the, in the church anymore. And, you know, that was, that was a little bit difficult to hear, but I think a lot of times it ends up being true. I do kind of want to shift this a little bit, though, because I would suspect also that there are people who are maybe looking for a resource to help learn more about this. Do you have any resources that you could point us toward?
1: I think, first of all, one of the things i 'm working on in my own podcast is to is to shed some light on this mm. when I went looking for some help i, I didn 't even know what to look for mm. i didn 't even know what could possibly be out there and so one of the things that I would suggest like I said, take a look at that and listen and let's let 's get somebody one of the things that I really want to accomplish with that podcast and and my website and so on is I want to create that that friend type of a personality that is separate enough from what you're doing that there's no chance that there's going to get any, any cross crossing going on. you I mean, there's no chance I'm going to be in someone else's church that, right. that, you know, I can be that person. So one of the resources is exactly that find somebody that, that you can, that you can just sort of unload on or run things by or help you to get perspective. That, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is to recognize that, that this, you are not alone. I really did believe that I was I was unique that something really unique was happening to me and didn't happen to other pastors. And so, uh, the first thing, the next thing you need to do is realize that that's not true. That that there are others that are going through this. And so maybe if I would have reached out to some of the other pastors in my area, some of the other in my community or in my denomination, that may have been a little bit helpful to do something like that. But but really, it's it's about just finding someone who can bring some order and some sense. And and I think we've also got this real stigma about seeking any kind of counseling. Mm. I I think we need to break that down too. Be careful with that, of course. I mean, I made sure that the guy that that I was talking with was was Christian. He was he was a, he is a solid Christian man who had solid Christian principles and, and advice. Always took me back to the Bible. Let's take a look at what God says about that. And so really, there, there's a lot of those people around, and, and I wouldn't hesitate to jump on that. There's a lot of other things that pastors will do to to, to help with this problem that will only create more problems. Hmm. One of the things that I've, I've dealt with a lot with a lot of the pastors that I've in, 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 come across my path was you know doing things with, on online that they shouldn't be doing and involving themselves in in activities that they shouldn't be doing just just to almost get back at it almost seems like but there's a lot of things you shouldn't do but at the same time one of the, one of the strong things is is find somebody else to help you get some perspective hmm. because what what I did is I sat in my room for those hours and hours and the only person that was listening to me is me and I was messed up and so it was i wasn't getting very good counsel back from from myself and so really finding somebody who can you know hey wait a minute let's let's think about this or what do you let's let's look at it from a little different angle
0: that that's that's good and we we probably should let people know about the podcast i've mentioned it once but why don't you tell us a little bit more about your podcast and where to find it
1: the podcast is called the wounded shepherd and you can find it at com. And it's, it's pretty much, it's new right now. I'm just getting started. I've got some guests lined up. As a matter of fact, the next one that I'm going to have on is going to be that counselor mm. that was so instrumental in helping me and, and giving some of those resources. There's some places there for you to, to share your story with me. One of the, the latest episodes was talking about your call. When I was going through Bible college, all of the professors would make us, every single class would make us articulate on paper our call to ministry. And when I got to my senior year and I I finally got to the end of it, I said, why do we keep having to do this? I've done it a hundred times. And, you know, why do we keep doing this? And uh, the guy told me, he said, listen, you're going to get out out into ministry and things aren't going to be as great and glamorous as you think they are. And you're going to begin to ask yourself questions. Why do I do this? Why am I here? And he said, you're going to need to have something to fall back on. And one of those things to fall back on is that articulated, written call to ministry. You need to go back and revisit that. And so one of the things on my website is a, is an opportunity to do that, to start really fleshing that out and, and and going over that. I'd love to go over that with some people. How how can I help you understand that better and write that better? And so at TheWoundedShepherd.com, you'll find it there. I'm also on Facebook. I've got a, a Facebook group where I make some some posts and some blog posts there and then there's also a a private group that i'm only going to allow those that are are called to some sort of pastoral or full-time vocational type ministry that that is it's just safe to communicate with and and they, they'll get it they'll understand so that's the whole purpose of the podcast that's the purpose of of my website and everything i'm doing there is just really to get some people together and communicating and and having our, our perspective adjusted and get back in focus with what God wants us to do.
0: That, that's great. And I would like to recommend if, for you as, as a listener that you go ahead and stop by and check that out. We'll make sure to have that linked up in the show notes page so that you can just click through and go right there. Definitely want you to check that out. Now, Kevin, you have a lot going on. There are the, the school teacher, you're pastoring a church, you're ministering to ministers who have been wounded. There are a lot of things juggling and you know, going on. How can we best pray for you?
1: Well, pray for that that balance, as you said i mean there's as you say, there's a lot going on. The other thing is is that i I would ask that you would pray that first of all, my intentions are not misunderstood that that people understand that my goal really is to to see people become healthy and better. Pray for the people who may approach me and and approach what we're doing here. That they would be willing and able to make that transition from being that that wounded shepherd to to being the the person that God called mm. them to be, and that they would overcome that. I had an interesting conversation with a person recently who had gone to gone to college. She she was had a master's degree in pastoral ministry. She was seeking to be a children's pastor. Through no fault of her own, situation took place at a church, and she ended up out, and it was, went through a divorce. It was a very ugly situation. Mm. Several years later, I'm having a conversation with her, and I say, why, why don't you get back into ministry? Why don't you, how can I help you get back into ministry? And she just went kind of pasty white, and she said, "I, there's no way I will ever do that again. I'm so afraid that I will have to deal with that again, and I'm not sure that I am strong enough to. So my prayer always is, God, give us the strength that we need to see beyond this immediate situation. And I would encourage you or ask you to, to please pray for that, that the people making that step would be, would be at least willing to, to make some changes or allow some things to be different. That's For me, that's a working definition of surrender, mm. is a willingness to change. And, and I, I pray for that, that, that the people coming, what I've learned, and I went through this for a few years in that condition that I was in, I was forced financially to continue to be a pastor. I I hadn't, I didn't really have any other choice. And I know that in those years, when I was getting my head together, I was not effective for, for what God had called me to do. And the church was sort of freewheeling there. There was just a lot of holes Mm. And so I pray also for the church that is that is pastored by one of those those shepherds that are wounded that that they would be able to hold it together not not throw the guy or gal out unless of course they need to but 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 really all come together and and figure out how to put everybody back together.
0: Wow, that that's great. And, and I would like to encourage you to go ahead and do that. You can add it to your prayer list if you'd like, but please. Just take a second, stop this recording and, and make make that time to pray right now. Because I know from my experience, it is so easy to forget to do that when I get to the end of the day and it's time for me to to pray about these kinds of things. I'd encourage you to do that now. If you or somebody you know, maybe a missionary, maybe a pastor is a wounded shepherd, I'd like to encourage you to point them toward Kevin's website, thewoundedshepherd.com, so that they can check it out. They, they may find the support and the healing that they need through what he's doing. I don't know for sure, but I'd like to you know, encourage you to just point them there because this might be what God's going to use to recommission some of them back into what he's called them to do. Kevin, this has been absolutely wonderful. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Thank you for taking the time to do this.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I, I know you have an audience of people that, that are probably, or as you say, know somebody who is in this kind of a situation and whatever I can do to, to be of assistance or to help, I, I firmly believe that the only way that we are going to be right is when we are living according to the way God has called us to live. And and that, that includes the, the ministry or the area that he's called us to serve in. And I've seen enough people miserable, miserable in their existence and really looking forward to being able to help some of those people find their way back. Mm,
0: good stuff. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed what Kevin shared. I thought it was incredibly powerful, and I'm looking forward to hearing stories of what God does in and through his ministry. I think it's a powerful ministry, and I think it's much needed, not only for pastors who are serving in their home country, perhaps even in their hometown, but also those who are serving in cross-cultural situations, missionaries, church planters, whether at home or abroad. I think it's a really valuable and really needed ministry. In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about what God revealed to me about engaging missions while I was in a small group meeting. But I also want to recommend a podcast to you. Now, we've talked about Kevin's podcast, The Wounded Shepherd at thewoundedshepherd.com, but this week's podcast recommendation from missionalaudio.com is the Global Initiative Coffee Break. This is a podcast from Global Initiative, and if you remember a few months ago, we talked with Mark Brink about what Global Initiative is doing to provide resources, training, and people so that Christians, the body of Christ, wherever they are, can better engage Muslims with the love of Jesus and with the power of the gospel— I'm actually in the middle of a fundraiser for them. I'm believing God for $4,000 to help fund their ministry so that they can provide these resources in cross-cultural, cross-national, cross-denominational situations. I love what they're doing, and I think it's valuable, and I think their podcast is also worth checking out. So stop by missionalaudio.com. Check out the Global Initiative Coffee Break. What does a small group meeting Have to do with rediscovering and reigniting a passion for engaging missions? Well, as it turns out, more than you might expect. Now, I want to kind of preface this before I start telling the story with the fact that I'm connected to and a leader in a fairly traditional church. Now, for some of you, that might be a surprise. For some of you, that might be a relief. Maybe. Maybe some of you don't actually care. For me, I don't actually care that much what size church or what church model people use as long as they're pursuing Christ. But I am actually part of a fairly traditional body Uh, where we like to think that we're unusual, but in some senses we're actually fairly traditional. And we recently started doing some small groups, and my wife and I are leading a small group. This week, we were talking about the ways that relationships increase our faith. And this is, as we were talking about that, we talked about some, some people who had experiences, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to break their confidence and share those stories, but it reminded me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. See, as we were sharing these stories, the people who had people in their lives who had encouraged or poured faith into their lives or had lived an example that called them higher, the people that were now sharing those stories were deeply moved by how God had moved in their lives in the past. And as we also listened to stories about how we had been used to encourage other people or to equip them or to challenge them or to provide inspiration, the people that had been used were also encouraged. And as we shared these stories among our small group, we were each encouraged in our faith and strengthened in our faith as we heard stories about what God had done and what God was doing both for us and through us. And that reminded me about why I started doing this, about what this is all about. See, my thinking was that... Missionaries need to be heard. Church planters need to be heard. They need an opportunity sometimes to share what God has done in their lives with other people because God has given them an incredible gift. It's this incredible treasure that's been stored up in the saints, and God has given them these insights and these stories to share and those stories also need to be heard because as we hear stories of God's glory, as we hear stories of what God has done, in the lives of people, in the world, using real people, people who are flawed, people who are still growing, people who are not yet perfect, but saved by grace and deeply loved by a real God who really does things, then we are encouraged too. And not only are we encouraged in our faith and perhaps challenged to do or to step into things that we might not have previously been willing to do. But we're also encouraged to deepen those relationships with the believers around us that we can continue to be encouraged and challenged in our faith. And that's why I started doing this. And I was so encouraged to remember that tonight, not only because of the the powerful stories of what God had done in the lives of people that some of whom I've known for years and still never heard these stories, but also because it reminded me about the power of this. The The word says that in Revelation, that they defeated the lamb or defeated the dragon. (laughs) Sorry about that. I got that wrong. Defeated the dragon by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies and that they didn't love their lives even to the death. And this is part of it. The blood of the lamb covers our sins. The word of our testimonies defeats the dragon along with the blood of the lamb, and then the fact that we're willing to lay down our lives. And that can take a lot of different forms. It can certainly take the form of martyrdom, but it can also take the form of dropping our guard and being real about our lives with the people around us so that we can continue to challenge each other, continue to inspire each other. The the Proverbs talk about how as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person sharpens the other. And as we have those opportunities to be real with each other, then we also have the opportunity to be sharpened. So that's why I started doing what I'm doing. But how does that apply to you? Well, you have a story. You probably have a lot of stories, and your story is not the same as mine. Nor should it be because it is the story that God gave you, that God is giving you, and that God is writing through you. So you also need to tell your story. I would like to encourage you to consider your story, consider your life and how God has used other people in your life and how God has used you to minister to other people through your life. And then take every opportunity that God gives you to share those stories. Be real with people around you. Encourage them, because when we are encouraged in our faith, we, we grow closer to God, we we become more like Him. So take those opportunities, and if you can, make sure that you're part of a group of people who get together regularly to talk about who God is and what God has done in their lives. I don't want to prescribe to you any format or any anything like that, but just a reminder, we need to be together with like-minded people, people who love Jesus, who are, yes, flawed, but also saved by grace and made perfect by him. And then we need to share our stories. We need to take the time to do that. It's incredibly important, but it's also incredibly powerful. Well, this week we've heard from Kevin Moore about how God brought healing and is bringing healing in his life and how he's using him to also bring healing to other pastors who have been wounded. I had a podcast recommendation for you with Global Initiative through missionalaudio.com. And we also talked about how a recent small group meeting reignited my passion and my sense of purpose with engaging missions and how that same thing can apply to you. I'd like to say thank you to Kevin Moore for taking the time to do this, to take the time to to reach out and to be on the show. I really appreciate that, and I would like to recommend that you check out his podcast at TheWoundedShepherd.com. You can also find that linked up in the show notes, which are at EngagingMissions.com slash Kevin Moore. Make sure that you check those out because not only do I have a link to his podcast website, but I have links to the other resources that we talked about as well as notes, including timestamps in case you want to go back and listen to something specific and some really easy ways for you to share this on social media. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Ernie Peacock, about what God has done in his life over the years as a church planter, and then what's upcoming. And specifically, some of the things we talked about involved engaging the millennial generation, but also not ignoring the poor, because it's really easy to begin focusing on one sort of element of society, if you will, and forget another. And we talked about some of the things that are involved in that Make sure that you subscribe to the show so that you don't miss that. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And if you have any feedback for me about the Engaging Missions show, about what I'm doing, about what I could do better, or what's what's great, what you really enjoy, I would love to hear from you. And specifically... If somebody's story has impacted your life, I would love to know that, not just for myself, but also so I can share it with that guest because it is so incredibly encouraging to know that what God's done in your life and the fact that you shared it has also encouraged somebody else. Send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com.
1: Thanks for listening to The Engaging Missions Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.